informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic drive time. And welcome to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca, and it's so good to be on with you today. Today is Wednesday, March 29th, 2023. It's the feast of, uh, watch me butcher this name, St. Gwynlio Philwo. There we go. He was also known as Wulus, and the warrior of Wulus the Bearded was a Welsh king and a religious figure who lived in the 5th century. He was a king of... Gwynlong in South Wales and founded the city of Newport. According to tradition, he was a feared warlord and raider who knew King Arthur, but later found religion and became a hermit. Founding St. Wulu's Cathedral in Newport, he is also the father of one of the most revered Welsh saints, St. Cadoc the Wise. He and his wife, St. Glades, were reportedly bandits in King Arthur's time, but repented and became Aramites. St. Gwynlul, the, the Philwar, pray for us. Did you see that? Yeah. Utterly, utterly butchered those names. Uh, I have no idea. This is like 4th, 5th century Welsh names. I can't even pronounce uh, Welsh names today, but praise be to God, survived it. You know, the coming up sometime soon is the Padre Pio movie. I'm pretty excited. That movie, we were, we were talking about this. We interviewed a number of people about this movie about six, seven months ago, maybe. And finally, we're hearing about it coming to the United States. It's going to have a theatrical release scheduled for June 2nd, 2023. Uh, thank you to Jer- Jeff Burrier. I saw it first from him whenever he posted it on Facebook. Uh, but I think it's uh, pretty awesome. So I will definitely going to go see it. I'll let you guys know if it's any good. I am skeptical. I am excited to see it. We all heard about the Shia LaBeouf interviews and the controversy surrounding Shia LaBeouf and the controversy surrounding the cursing that was in the movie. So I will watch it. I will let you guys know whether or not it's good, if it's bad, if it's something in between. I'll definitely let you guys know. Let me know if you're going to watch on our social media streams. I'd be curious. Are you going to go see the Shia LaBeouf movie? I was very curious. Uh, good morning to you, Tito Edwards. Good morning, Adrian. That that I am excited to watch it as well, and I also share many of uh, the same concerns that you have regarding the film. But uh, let's wait and see, uh, and, and let's hear back from you once you view the movie, movie and tell us uh, what's going on in that flick. Yeah, for sure. Uh, you Do you plan to see it with your wife? Oh, yes, yes. I, we plan on watching it. I, I, I'm going to be careful because I, I'm, I'm aware of, of the, the agenda behind the film to some extent. I hope I'm completely wrong, but just judging by all the, the, the little releases, the sneak peeks that they've had, I, it looks like a propaganda piece for the Communist Party in Italy, but I hope I'm completely wrong. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I, I'm, I'm up in the air about it, like you said. Um, we'll see. It looks, um, from all the interviews, it sounds good. Yes. But from the clips I've seen, I'm like, uh, I don't know. Uh, so we'll see how that turns out. I'm excited to, uh, to find out how it actually is. But that's, uh, that's coming down June 2nd, 2023. So keep your eyes open. At 15 past the hour today, we're going to discuss how sin makes you stupid. 
That's a uh, very interesting conversation uh, that I thought was I was looking at all these crazy things going on in the news. And I was like, this is a good topic. And who better to talk to about this than St. Thomas Aquinas? So we're going to look at what St. Thomas had to say about how sin makes you very, very dumb. So try not to sin. At 30 past the hour, Alan Smith with Bishop Sheen today will be on with us to discuss the seventh word from the cross. Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. So that'll be at 30 past the hour. I'm very excited to have that conversation with Alan Smith. Um, We'll have to figure out what we're going to do next week for Holy Week. Got to do something special for Holy Week. If you have any ideas, let me know. I'd be very curious. And let's jump in with prayer. We have a lot to pray for today. We, have, of course, going to be praying for everybody in the city of, of Nashville, Tennessee, everyone who is affected by the, this horrible crime and that happened over there and the, with the school shooting, uh, for the, the repose of the souls of the six people who died, uh, and thanksgiving for the police officers, especially officers uh, Rex and Michael, for their heroism. Uh, we want to pray for that uh, for sure. And uh, we'll pray for you and for whatever it is that your intentions are, your friends, your family, your benefactors, and all those that we promise to pray for. We're praying for those intentions as well. And we're praying for my friend uh, Timothy, who is going through something very uh, difficult at the moment. But we'll pray for all those things, and we entrust them into the hands of St. Joseph as we pray the Virgo Pater. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. O Joseph, Virgin Father of Jesus. Most pure spouse of the Virgin Mary, pray for us daily to the Son of God, that armed with the weapons of his grace, we may fight as we ought in life and be crowned by him in death. Behold the faithful and prudent servant whom the Lord set over his house. Pray for us, O holy St. Joseph, that we may be made worthy of the promises of Christ. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. And now your headline news with Tito Edwards. Good morning. You are listening to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. Today is Wednesday, March 29th, and these are your headlines for today. Catholic News Agency reports a person who killed six people at a private Presbyterian Christian school in Nashville before being fatally shot by police wrote a manifesto that contained a map of the school and potential entry points. But a motive for the crime has yet to be determined, according to police. Police confirmed the shooter, who was a biological female who identified as transgender and had previously attended the school. Police Chief John John Drake said during a news conference yesterday afternoon that the police do not believe the individual victims had been specifically targeted and that they are not still sure of the exact motive. Catholic News Agency reports... Uh, This past March 25th, the Solemnity of the Annunciation and the Incarnation of Christ in the Womb of Virgin Mary is celebrated as the Day of the Unborn Child in Latin America. Multiple large pro-life marches were held in Argentina, Ecuador, and Peru. Tens of thousands, up to 40,000 in Argentina alone. Catholic World News and The Pillar reports a popular church architect scholar accused of sexually inappropriate conduct with seminarians. Dennis McNamara, who taught at the Liturgical Institute of Mundelein Seminary from 2009 to 19, engaged in inappropriate behavior toward adult seminarians during and after the time he was employed there, according to the seminary's rector. And finally, The Guardian reports, 
the Chinese government has threatened retaliation if Taiwan's president, Tsai Ing-wen, meets the U.S. speaker of this week and urged the U.S. not to let her transit through the country, saying it would be a, quote, provocation, end quote. Tsai left Taiwan yesterday uh, afternoon for a 10-day trip to Central America, Belize, and Guatemala. The trip includes two stopovers in New York on the way in. Those were your headlines this morning. May God bless you all. The Gospel of the Day comes from the Gospel according to St. John, chapter 8, verses 31 through 42. And now Jesus said to those among the Jews who believed in him, If you continue faithful to my word, you are my disciples in earnest. So you will come to know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, We are of Abraham's breed. Nobody ever enslaved us yet. What dost thou mean by saying you shall become free? And Jesus answered them, Believe me when I tell you this, everyone who acts sinfully is a slave of sin. And the slave cannot make his home in the house forever. To make his home in the house forever is for the son. Why then, if it is the son who makes you free men, you will have freedom in earnest. Yes, I know you are of Abraham's breed, yet you are you designed to kill me, because my words does not find any place in you. My words are what I have learned in the house of my father, and your actions, it seems, are what you have learned in the school of your father. Our father, they answered him. Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, If you are Abraham's true children, it is for you to follow Abraham's example. As it is, you are designing to kill me, who tell you the truth as I have heard it from God. This was not Abraham's way. No, it is your father's example you follow. And now they said to him, We are no bastard children. God, and he only is the father we recognize. Jesus told them, If you were children of God, you would welcome me gladly. It was from God I took my origin. From him I have come. I did not come on my own errand. It was he who sent me. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. The commentary from Cornelius Elapide here, he says, Then said Jesus, he wished to confirm them in the faith they had accepted. If ye are so faithful and constant as to follow me through persecutions and crosses, even to heaven itself, ye will be worthy not only of the name and title of my disciples, but also of their deserts and rewards. This is a very important point to make because our Lord promises us that uh, we will have comfort, but not necessarily in this life, but in the next, especially for those who are persecuted for the sake of righteousness. And how much does this apply to us in this time whenever we uh, see nothing but persecution for the sake of righteousness? Cornelius Alapide continues. He says, Hence, in accordance with the mind of Christ, if ye abide in my doctrine, ye shall taste by experience how sweet it is, and it will free you from the yoke of sins. For faith in me will lead you to penitence, contrition, and charity, which does, oh, does away with all sin. If the truth pleaseth thee not, let liberty please thee. He clearly restored it, retorted liberty and took away iniquity. This is a other important thing to note. If the truth pleaseth thee not, let liberty please thee. This is important because our Lord desires to give us the truth. He desires us to uh, conform our mind to him. And because our Lord is the truth, 
If we conform our mind to him, we conform our mind to the truth. And if we follow him in faith, he will lead us to penitence, contrition, and charity, which does away with all sin. Now, this is important because sin puts us in bondage. Sin destroys our life and it enslaves us. Now, Cornelius Lapide says that the fourfold bondage that we are in and which Christ frees us from is as following. He says, first, the bondage of the law, which Christ did away with by liberty of the gospel. So here he's talking about the law of Moses, all the laws that they keep, the braiding of the hair, the wearing of certain kinds of clothing, the uh, forbidding of eating certain types of foods, these kind of things he's saying he's doing away with. The, you were, the Jews were under the bondage of the law, and Christ freed them with the gospel. The second is the bondage under sin, which he took away by the liberty of righteousness. So we can actually be freed from sins now. We can actually live in a state of sanctifying grace. We can actually be perfect as our Heavenly Father is perfect. Three, the bondage under the dominion of concupiscence, which he took away by the liberty of the Spirit and the dominion of charity and grace. Meaning the dominion of concupiscence. While we still hold concupiscence within us, we still have a tendency towards sin. We are not lorded over. We're not the being bound by concupiscence. We actually can have charity and grace by the sacraments. Fourth, bondage under death and mortality, which he would take away by the liberty of the glory of the resurrection. Now, this is important to note because, of course, we still die. Each one of us are still mortal. We can still lose our lives. But ultimately, at the end of the day, we will have our resurrection. Now, you may resurrect into eternal death if you are damned to hell. But if you live in faith in Christ, if you live according to his commands, you will, in fact, be resurrected to eternal life. And death will have no cling to us any longer. This is an important thing to note. Uh, finally, a last thing that I want to note is here our Lord puts a syllogism before the eyes of the Jews. He says, our Lord's argument runs thus. He who loves God loves also the Son of God. But ye do not love me who am the Son of God. Therefore, ye love not God, just as the Arians who by denying Christ to be the Son of God deny the Father also. For if he has not a son, he cannot call God the Father. This is important and something that we should keep in the forefront of our minds. Because if we claim to be Christians... If we claim to be Christians and yet we deny the doctrines of the church, we will be like the Jews who say Abraham is our father. And yet we will increase our damnation on the last day because our Lord will not acknowledge us as children if we do not recognize Christ as the Son of God and follow his doctrines and follow every single one of his commands and be part of his holy and apostolic church. We'll be right back with more after this. Donnie, what are the mysteries that we pray on the rosary? Glorious, luminous, joyful, and sorrowful. There you go. As parents, we're the primary educators of our Catholic faith to our children. And if you don't know your Catholic faith as well as you should, that's okay. Just tune in daily to the Guadalupe Radio Network by logging online to grnonline.com. The Guadalupe Radio Network. Listen, learn, love, and pass it on.
Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question if you're a non-Catholic friend. What does it take to constitute an actual church? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, a gathering of Christians is not automatically a church. Although Matthew 18 says, where two or three are gathered in my name, I am in their midst, that is not a text to be interpreted as a premise for a church. That's a requirement to legitimize an accusation. Secondly, Catholic teaching. Christ established and sustains the church as both a mystical community and a visible organization with hierarchy and jurisdiction. And thirdly, my take. Eventually, you have to decide what one item is absolutely essential for our Lord to say, that's my church. So is it a church if there's simply a common belief in the Bible? Or perhaps just a doctrinal agreement? Is it compliance to the Apostles' Creed? Could it be the stamp of approval from a denomination? Maybe an ordained pastor makes it officially a church. So, you know that place you've been attending every Sunday morning at 10 a.m.? Maybe it's not even a church. Maybe it's just a good, healthy hangout. Ooh. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. It's so good to be on with you today. Praise be to God. Even though, despite the fact that everything is crazy, it's still good to be here. Praise be to God. I'm so happy to be here, especially here with you on Catholic Radio. Catholic Radio, it's always a good day on Catholic Radio. But speaking of the bad news, though, there's a couple headlines that I saw this morning, and there's just so many things happening that I'm just going to list these things going off, and I want to talk about something completely different. So one headline here from The Advocate, they says, Injustice, how the sex offender registry destroys LGBT rights. Queer youth are being disproportionately labeled as sex offenders. Well, yes, I mean, if LGBT people are committing sex offenses, then they will be labeled as sex offenders, and it's not... Destroying your rights to be labeled as such. Uh, CNN headline, what's digital blackface and why is it wrong when white people use it? If you are white and you are posting a GIF or a meme or of a black person to express a strong emotion, you may be guilty of wearing digital blackface. Okay, so now posting, uh, sending pictures to your friends and family and things like that that have black people in the pictures is now racist. Got it. Uh, Daily Mail, 46-year-old woman, a trans woman, wins women's NYC cycling race. So basically, let me reword that. 46-year-old man wins women's New York City cycling race. There you go. Post-millennial, Pentagon doctor says seven-year-olds are able to consent to sex changes. Libs of TikTok reported, adults cheer as 13-year-old boy does drag queen dance. Disclose.tv reports Greta Thunberg receives an honorary doctorate from the Faculty of Theology at the University of Helsinki. Uh, Lives of TikTok reports Drag Queen performs a lap dance on students at Pride event with high schoolers in North Carolina. These stories are just the tip of the iceberg of the stories that I could find uh, this morning that I just come across scrolling around and looking for stories. All very concerning. Now, there's one other story that I want to bring up before I move on to what St. Thomas has to say about all this. There's a story reported by Tim Cast, and I think is very important for us to keep our eyes on. A trans activists threaten to kill Tennessee lawmakers. Quote, you let me know where I can get my hands on ricin, then we're in business. End quote. Several trans activists suggest, uh, suggested doxing and killing Tennessee lawmakers after passing legislation in the state. One Twitter user shared a screenshot from an LGBTQ Nation article claiming Tennessee lawmakers were requiring transgender-identifying youth 
to detransition next year. This is what Genocide looks like, the original poster wrote regarding the article. In a now-deleted tweet, another user with the handle NihilistGF161 quote tweeted the original poster saying, These people forcing you to detransition have names and addresses. A third user echoed this person by asking where to obtain ricin, a highly toxic substance capable of poisoning an individual in a relatively small dosage. You let me know where I can get my hands on ricin and then we're in business, said a third user who goes by the handle Wobotboy and in, in another now-deleted tweet. Here, Andy No posted, this is crazy, uh, I'm being targeted by, <laughs> I'm being targeted for threats, he says here. Uh, Andy No said, far-life extremists and militant trans activists are threatening to injure or kill lawmakers in Tennessee as revenge for the state banning the medical transition of minors. Their violent threats have surged in recent weeks. The third user addressed the, the deleted their tweet, said, I will get rid of this tweet because I naturally don't want my own personal rhetoric to become representative of a whole myriad of different people. This is actually what is happening. So if your problem is with me, make it so. And of course here, the, this problem is far worse than just this. Uh, the user made a series of posts expressing support for transgender identifying individuals taking up arms in defense against white supremacy, the state, fascism, and transphobia. In another post, the user criticized the Second Amendment as a document written by genocidal white supremacists, though expressed support for individuals owning firearms. Uh, very interesting how they're calling for us to take away firearms, but at the same breath are saying that they should have firearms. Very concerning. And there's been many, many threats coming after the Daily Wire crew, uh, Matt Walsh and Michael Knowles especially. Very concerning there. They're calling for their death. This is... Why is the FBI not rounding these people up? Why is that not happening? Why are they, are they allowed to do these kind of things? If these were Christians saying anything similar to this, we would be locked up very quickly. We would be banned from all social media immediately. Yet, these trans activists get to act like, well, not act, they are evil people, and nothing happens. Very, very interesting to me. Nothing. Not only does nothing happen, they actually advertise what they're going to do. This, a poster, uh, an event coming up this Saturday was what was advertised well before the Nashville shootings, and it's called an, a day of vengeance. I'm just curious, what do they mean by a day of vengeance? Do they mean that they're going to be attacking Christians? Are they going to be attacking anyone that does not uh, want to? follow their agenda. They'll, they'll be doing this at the steps of the U.S. Supreme Court this Saturday. And I've noticed that anyone retweeting that poster that says an act of vengeance is being suspended on Twitter just for regurgitating their propaganda. They're doing this now in the open. They've been doing this for quite a while now, for the last couple of years or so. And we're just seeing a penultimate moment in U.S. Uh, culture right now. I, I don't know what where we're heading to, but this is not a good omen. Well, I know what we're heading to. We're heading to the uh, public denunciation and persecution of Christians all across America. And whenever we're, people our lives are being threatened, I mean, this is happening to anybody who comes out and speaks publicly against these ideas. So if you are against transgender ideology, uh, they you have a target on your head. 
and you should be very wary about where you go, what you say, where you, what you do, and perhaps consider purchasing a firearm to protect yourself because these people are literally insane, not figuratively. They are literally insane. They have lost their absolute minds, and they cannot be uh, trusted to be around uh, people because they are going to kill people. They are publicly calling for the death of people. And these people are, like we talked about yesterday, are actually uh, mentally ill. These people are insane. They think that reality isn't reality. That's a definition of insanity. And this leads us to the question that I wanted to bring up. There's a, there's a saying. It says, sin makes you stupid. And this saying comes from St. Thomas Aquinas. Say, say, obviously, St. Thomas didn't use the word stupid, but that's where they, they, it's basically summarizing St. Thomas on this topic. And what's important about all these different headlines that I just read to you is that you're thinking to yourself, we live in absolute clown world. We live in the craziest time ever. Why is everybody absolutely insane? And St. Thomas actually answers this question. He says that sin, especially, he says, especially the sin of lust, all sin, but especially the sin of lust, sexual vice, destroys our minds. He says, when the lower powers are strongly moved toward their object, the result is that the higher powers are hindered and disordered in their acts. Now, the effects of the vice of lust is that the lower appetite, namely concupiscible, is most vehemently intent on its object, to wit, the object of pleasure, on account of the vehemence of the pleasure. Consequently, the higher powers, namely the reason and the will, are most grievously disordered by lust. Let me uh, say that again. Reason and the will are most grievously disordered by lust. Now, if you've been doing the Aquinas Catechism series, you may remember in the prayer of St. Thomas, prayer before study, he says, Take from me the double darkness in which I have been born, an obscurity of both sin and ignorance. Because the double darkness in which we've been born is sin and ignorance. Because what does sin do to us? And in a special way, and in a more intense way, lust does this especially. But in a most, in a, what all sin does to us is it weakens our will and darkens our intellect. Let me repeat that. It weakens our will and darkens our intellect. When you commit grave sin, and now, and when you think about this, you think about people who are repeatedly, are repeated sinners. And, and what I mean is like mortal sin, sins, unrepentant sin, people who do not go to confession, these kind of people, especially the sins of lust, the you your will is weakened, meaning you don't have the ability to resist your passions. As soon as you uh, want to do something, your passions move you, and you start doing that. It's uh, I like to call it frenetic intemperance. I took that word from uh, Mr. Horvat in his book, Return to Order. Frenetic intemperance. You have this frenetic intemperance where you just do exactly what you want, like a, like a dog chasing a car. You have uh, no will. Your will is so weakened, you cannot choose the good. And the second thing is the darkening of the intellect. So you literally become dumb. You are not able to think clearly. You're not able to reason uh, properly. All these things are taken away from you. St. Thomas says this. He says, now the reason has four acts in matter of action. He said, first, there is the simple understanding, which apprehends some end as good, which means you recognize that something is good. He said that this act is hindered by lust. According to Daniel, beauty hath deceived thee and lust hath perverted thy heart. So you are unable to apprehend the good because the, when you commit sin, especially lust, 
when you commit sin, you are recognizing a what St. Thomas calls a semblance of a good, meaning something that appears to be good but actually is not good. And so you have that as your final end, and therefore your understanding is destroyed. He said here that you have a blindness of mind. He said the second act is counsel about what is to be done for the sake of the end. And so you the con- by be due to the concupiscence of lust, the counsel of your mind being able to try to uh, see dictate your actions to try to figure out what actions do I take to reach the end, that that is also hindered. He says, hence Terence says, uh, speaking of lecherous love, this thing admits of neither counsel nor moderation. Thou canst not control it by counseling. On this respect, there is a rashness which denotes absence of counsel. Said the third act is judgment about the thing to be done. And this is again hindered by lust. For it is said of the lustful old men, they perverted their own mind that they might not remember just judgment. On this respect, that is, this is, there is thoughtlessness. The fourth act is the reason commanded about the thing to be done. And this also is impeded by lust. So this is the commanded meaning your will. You're not able to exercise your will. And you see this all the time where you see someone who is like, oh, I know I should not have done X, Y, or Z, and I did it anyway. Why? Because your will, will has been weakened. When you fail to choose to do the good over and over and over and over again, you, whenever the temptation comes, you won't do it. And this is how we get people shooting up schools. This is how we get all these different things. All these things is despicable, and it's because of sin. And it's because of sin. You don't become a mass shooter overnight. It's a life of sin. It's a life of debauchery, and especially the sexual sins. Especially, you think about the sexual revolution. The sexual revolution came, it started, it started leading people down this path, and as we get further and further, things get crazier and crazier. Why do we see that? It's because once we let loose sexual sins upon the country, the minds have been distorted and have been destroyed. So what is the solution? Well, first and foremost, we have to correct ourselves. Let's go to confession because we can cure ourselves very easily. Go to confession, learn about the virtues, and then train yourself in virtue so that way you may conquer yourself and that way you may choose the good and always the good. We'll be right back with more after this break. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Have you ever replaced pronouns in the Bible such as who, whom, whosoever, ye, you, etc., and replaced those words with your name and therefore you personalize the Bible to yourself? Do you do that? Is that a safe way to read the Bible? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, Bible complexity. Mechanics study motors. Architects study design. Linguists study syntax. But for the most part, Christians don't study the how-tos of safe biblical interpretation called hermeneutics. Secondly, Aquinas. In the Summa, we see the caution. Aquinas says of the Bible, quote, the manner of its speech transcends every science because in one and the same sentence, while it describes a fact, it reveals a mystery and thirdly, a tough comeback. I know it seems plausible to simply say the Bible is a love letter straight from God to humanity, but wait a minute. A sentence or a paragraph in a love letter has context. Yes, with great caution, we can personalize some context, but remember, when you're at the central figure in the Bible, God isn't, and that's just wrong. It's to truly save souls. It's to save souls, and we have a lot of different media platforms, whether it's through our TV, radio, music, and it's all promoting this culture that is really here to kill, still, and destroy souls. And to have that 
Catholic voice on the air that is proclaiming the good news and able to touch and transform lives, um, what better thing to support? The Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. Good morning. Welcome back to the Catholic Drive Time Show. Today is Wednesday, March 29th, 2023, in the year of our Lord. Catholic News Agency reports a new poll of U.S. residents suggests that a certain value such as religiosity and having children have receded in importance over the past 25 years. While people's opinion of the importance of money increased during the same period, religion, patriotism, and having children diminished in importance for Americans, according to a Wall Street Journal poll. Vatican News reports a blaze in a dormitory at a Mexican immigration detention center in Ciudad Juarez has killed 39 people and injured 29. The Office of Mexico's Attorney General has launched an investigation into the fire, which began in the dormitory of the center and quickly spread through the rest of the building. There are reports of an incident before the blaze started, possibly by the neighboring inmates. Catholic World News reports La Osservatore Romano, the semi-official newspaper of the Vatican, has drawn attention to Libya's enslavement of migrants. And a U.N. investigation into this enslavement of migrants in Libya was the subject of a most prominent front-page article. La Servitore Romano recalled that Pope Francis, speaking of the suffering experienced by those fleeing wars, instability, the disastrous consequences of trying to reach Europe, did not hesitate to describe Libyan detention centers as concentration camps. And finally... Church Pop reports that the New York Times faces backlash for a false report about the Holy See burning Catholic stargazers during the Middle Ages. Countless Twitter users address the outlet for reporting fake news. One said, may I introduce you to Nicholas Copernicus, Copernicus and Georges Lemaitre, the first to propose heliocentrism and the Big Bang. One was a canon of, a Catholic church, of the Catholic Church and one was a priest. Both were supported by the Catholic Church. On the other hand, the church burned no one like them at the stake. I'm Tito Edwards, and these are today's headlines through a Catholic lens. Thank you. Thank you, Tito, for keeping us up to date. And joining us in just a moment will be Alan Smith with Bishop Sheen today. We're going to be talking about the seventh word of the seven last words on the cross. That would be into thy hands, Lord, I commend my spirit. A truly, truly great way. I'm going to have to figure out something to bring Alan Smith on next week to talk about for Holy Week. But uh, today we're talking about into thy hands, Lord, I commend my spirit. Uh, good morning to you, Alan. Uh, Tito, can you turn on his mic? Good morning, Alan. Uh, good morning. How are you? Can you hear me now? Yes, sir. Thank you very much. Okay, good. Good. Wonderful. How are you, Alan? Before we jump into this, let's catch up. How is the Great White North? The Great White North is good. I just finished a very successful parish mission in Marmara, Ontario. Uh, gave four talks uh, over the weekend. So uh, introduced the crucifix, Our Lady, Sheen's writings, uh, lots of good stuff. So uh, again, it's a good Lent in Marmara. 
and uh, got a few more uh, events scheduled before, uh, I guess, the Lenten and Easter season is over. So uh, great to be able to share what I love, and that's the writings of Fulton Sheen with our audience today. So uh, we're, we're, next week we'll talk, we'll do a recap. How about, how about that? We'll, Sounds good. We'll do a mini mission uh, a on mini Wednesday mission. next week. I like it. I like it. It's a great idea. Uh, then that's the plan. Stay tuned next Wednesday, uh, Mission Talk with Alan Smith with Bishop Sheen today. All right, Alan, let's jump into this. Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. Uh, these are very powerful words, and it is uh, kind of jarring when you think about it. You you hear our Lord, and I, and, oh my goodness, you think about death and how death is the rending of the body and the soul. And, and many commentators have said that the rending of the body and soul is the greatest and worst pain that any person will ever experience in their lives. And in this moment, he, he cries us out and he passes. So what, let's start with the very beginning. And Father, into the hands I commend my spirit. What does he mean by this? Right. Again, he's trying to, um, I want to say, finish well. And uh, our Lord is finishing well on the cross. He's leading by example and making reparation uh, for our sins. But again, he's saying, remember, you're going back home. Uh, our Lord came to this earth for 33 years to uh, teach us, to heal, uh, but of course to show us the way, for he is the way, the truth, and the life. And, you know, he begins his seven last words on the cross with the word Father. But he, uh, in the words, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. But he ends his seven last words with, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. And I think this is what we don't take seriously enough. Uh, do we entrust things to God the Father? Are we willing to have a completed life? Uh, again, he's saying to us, remember, your true home is in heaven, and you make this full circle. Uh, when the good Lord created uh, the earth, of course, he created uh, human beings and then, of course, came into this world and dwelt among us. Uh, but we are all blessed to have a soul, and that soul has to go somewhere. And uh, that soul was meant to go back to heaven. And so uh, he wants to remind us in that to say, unite your will to God's holy will and your soul will get back to heaven. You know, there's only one thing in this world that uh, ever makes me even feel like I'm going to I'm going to tear up a little bit. And that is uh, the meditating on the Blessed Virgin at the foot of the cross and Fulton Sheen and the and the first meditation on this word talks about Our Lady, and I'm just, whew, I'm just hurt. I'm just so hurt by it. He, he says in the prayer, no, Mary, Bethlehem has not come back. This is not the crib, but the cross, not birth, but death, not the day of companionship with shepherds and kings, but the hour of common death with thieves, not Bethlehem, but Calvary. And he goes on from there, and I'm just, I, whew, it's just, it just hurts. Uh, what did he say here about Our Lady? He said a lot more. Uh, what was his connection here? Well, he was, you know, calling her um, some beautiful um, uh, tributes. I, I say tributes in that he mentions her as the sacristan. Um, and, uh, you know, you and I have both been sacr sacristans in church, and uh, we take care of the beautiful vessels and uh, make sure that everything is prepared properly. And we help people, again, point we point people to Jesus. 
And this is what Our Lady did so beautifully. Um, she's saying, uh, again, I will be the instrument to point you to Jesus. And of course, what is she doing at the foot of the cross? She's standing. She's looking at into the eyes of our Lord, um, suffering a great uh, agony because she's losing her son, but still saying to us, look at me. Look at me. Follow my example. I'm going to keep looking at him and standing here and taking uh, this uh, great burden of losing my son, but take it with great love. And so it's that holy example, that holy example of Our Lady to be faithful to the end. And uh, even though tragedy uh, has come into her life in a, in, a, in a big way, but still, I think it's this whole idea that Fulton Sheen says, look to her, look to her. And of course, he even talks about how uh, her seventh word uh, that she said in sacred scripture uh, is a great um, a teaching tool for us. When he, uh, her words, of course, she said, uh, do whatever he tells you. I think that's a beautiful valedictorian address. I think Fulton Sheen coined the phrase, but still uh, she stands and she is faithful to the end. Amen. You know, whew, I mean, this this passage, I, I think about very, very frequently what you had said a few weeks ago about apologizing to Our Lady. And here Fulton Sheen kind of retouches on this and he says, Mary, this is not thy hour. It is my hour, my hour of wickedness and sin. If I had not sinned, death would not now hover on its black wings about his crimson body. If I had not been proud, the atoning crown of thorns would never have been woven. If I had been less rebellious in treading the broad way which leads to destruction, the feet would never have been pierced with nails. And he goes on, and I'm... I'm so sorry, my lady. I'm so sorry for for all of my sins. And yet we have the audacity to to ask our Lord uh, and the, our Father deliver us from evil. Uh, whenever we delivered our Lord unto evil, uh, what is Fulton Sheen's connection with this word and the Our Father? Right. He's. Um, I think what he does uh, is he kind of says, um, I want to just say, he gives us this message of hope and in a strange way he he says you know this word deliver us from evil he says the only place where you where you will be delivered from evil is not houston texas it's not toronto canada it's heaven it's heaven how do we get delivered from evil we end up in heaven because in heaven there is no evil and so again, he's pointing, your true home is in heaven. If you strive for heaven, uh, you will strive for a place where there is no more pain. There is no more suffering. There is no more evil. So again, make heaven your goal. And he reminds us in his writings that heaven is built on a hill. Uh, we can't coast into it. We have to climb into it. Mm. And so we need some climbing to do. Uh, but again, it's that idea Evil will be eliminated when we're in heaven. Amen. Thanks be to God. Amen. He says, may you throw yourself beneath it in the ecstasy of knowing God as your father. May you pray the prayer of salvation. Our father who art in heaven, like thy son into thy hands, I commend my spirit. So may we reach heaven. We'll be right back with more on the seventh word from the cross with Bishop Sheen today's Alan Smith after this. 
this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question. Why is your Protestant Bible four ounces lighter than my Catholic Bible? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, a faulty scale? Nope. Well, maybe it's just the weight of the paper or the cover or the binding or some introductory comments. We wish it were just that simple. No, it's the seven books that got dismissed by team Martin Luther. Secondly, audacity. Audacity allowed Luther and others to extract time-tested truths of Scripture and key letters from the canon. What? Yes, about 1,200 years after the Bible canon was fully established, they rejected seven Old Testament books. Not only that, Luther placed the New Testament books of James and Jude, Hebrews and Revelation in a category called, quote, the disputed books. And thirdly, a pesky comeback. If I were to write a deeply personal letter to my wife regarding our future descendants, don't be taking seven of my choice paragraphs out of that letter. Why? You might be robbing those future descendants of a little bit of who Papa was. Now, don't you do that. Hey, Donnie, who was the first pope to whom Jesus said, you are the rock upon which I will build my church? St. Peter. And who is the current pope? Pope Francis. As parents, we're the primary educators of our Catholic faith to our children. And if you don't know your Catholic faith as well as you should, that's okay. Just tune in daily to the Guadalupe Radio Network by logging online to grnonline.com. The Guadalupe Radio Network. Listen, learn, love, and pass it on. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca, and it's so good to be on with you today. Praise be to God. You know, there's a lot of things going on in the world, a lot of sadness, a lot of evil, and I think oftentimes we kind of get depressed and we we fail to understand that these all these things can be seen in the eyes of God and seen through that vision, seen through the eyes of the cross. Because our Lord did not promise us comfort in this world. If he did, then, uh, yes, absolutely, this would be a scandal. If God promised everything would be hunky-dory, um, then we look around and we'd say, whew, I guess God's not real. But God did not promise us that. God promised us that we would participate in his suffering because a servant is not greater than his master. And so today, speaking of suffering, we're talking about the seventh word from the cross. Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. If even our Lord should die then how much more should we also suffer? Uh, Alan Smith with Bishop Sheen today is joining us. Let's discuss the third meditation. And this I particularly love because I really love the last gospel. I love the last gospel. For Fulton Sheen, when he's commenting on this, he's commenting in the context of the traditional Latin mass. So the Novus Ordo mass did not exist yet. And so he is commenting on the last gospel. For those who don't know, the last gospel is the gospel according to St. John chapter 1. And they read that at the end of every single Mass and the traditional Mass. And so Fulton Sheen had uh, some things to say about that. Alan, what was his thoughts here? Well, I think he wanted to remind us again of, uh, as I said earlier, this idea that uh, you come from heaven and you go back to heaven. Uh, It's what we call going full circle, full circle. And the last gospel, when you uh, look at it, it is a, a description that talks about uh, full circle, uh, this return, of course. That, but again, recognize that God is everything. You know, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God. Was word with, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Um, again, this full circle. So uh, I think that's really what it is, is that we go and we leave Mass, we leave Holy Mass thinking to ourselves, yes, my goal is heaven and 
God's goal was to come to the earth and to redeem us and to uh, feed us. And we think as we leave church, we are, we have been fed. We've, we have the Eucharist and we have the mission. And so uh, go out and complete the mission of your life. But uh, there's one line that I love that Fulton Sheen says uh, in this chapter about uh, the Mass. And he says, we have been sent into this world as children of God to assist at the holy sacrifice of the Mass. It's like we were made to go to Mass. And uh, it just, I think of that and I go, all right, I'm doing what's right and I'm doing what I was, I'm made for. I've been made to go to Mass and to assist at the Mass. And Fulton Sheen also says that at Calvary, he was alone. Uh, but at the Mass, he's with us. And that's a beautiful thing. It really is. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the, the last gospel, it always, it just, it just so, it's so beautiful to me. The, the, especially verse five, he says, uh, and the, the John chapter one, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him and without him was made nothing that was made in him was life and the life was the light of men and the light shineth in darkness and the darkness did not comprehend it. I just, I that just, it touches me. And the Knox translation translates it as, and the light shines in darkness, a darkness which was not able to master it. And I just, it just touches my soul when I read that. It, it's so beautiful to, to, to think about, to meditate upon, and to recognize that our Lord, when he says, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit, by that death, it's, it's as if, it's as if darkness won, and then you, we see that the darkness comes over the land, and yet our Lord, in his death, conquered death. And on the third day, in his resurrection, that light shineth in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. And St. John was uh, setting this up from, his, from verse 5 of the beginning of his gospel, was setting that, that up right at the beginning. I think that's so beautiful. What do you think about that, Alan? Yes. And I think, too, you know, the scriptures say that um, our Lord, uh, death did not approach him, but rather it was he who approached death. And yet I love in this um, last gospel, uh, the part where we all uh, genuflect when it comes to the point where, and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Um, just a beautiful tribute to Our Lady and a tribute to our Lord, uh, that we go out uh, with a good thought, that we're part of this beautiful family. Uh, we are children of Mary, and Jesus is our brother and our Lord, and so uh, we need to acknowledge them and uh, give them this beautiful genuflection uh, that they deserve. And uh, so uh, we're in the right mind when we leave church. You know, we, we should uh, transition over to the next one. I can spend the rest of the day talking about this meditation. But right. the, the fourth meditation here is blessed are they that mourn. And I think that's so fitting uh, considering where there's so much mourning right now with the uh, school shooting that happened over in Tennessee. And people are so confused about this. These things happen and people are like, why? Why does this happen? And they mourn. And there's also an attitude in the modern world to say, you know, I, we shouldn't mourn. If I'm sad, I need to drug myself up because there's something wrong with me. If I'm depressed, if I'm having these feelings, then there's something wrong with me. Uh, but yet our Lord in the, in the Beatitudes says, blessed are they that mourn, uh, for they will be comforted. 
And how does Fulton Sheen connect this to our Lord's death? Right. Um, he gives us the tough love message here that says um, this life is about pain and suffering, uh, that it's part of the package, and um, you, you're going to have to endure this cross. And that's why the beatitude is, blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be glad. Um, they shall be comforted. Um, it, it's this whole idea. We never want to accept this teaching that this journey with our Lord comes with a cross and that, uh, you know, we're dealing with time, but he's talking eternity, uh, that uh, you can't have your cake and eat it too. Uh, this is what people want. They think they can have the best of both worlds. No, uh, suffering is part of it. It's part of this package. And uh, it's it's... It's a gentle reminder as he shares this passage and this uh, meditation on uh, that beatitude. Uh, but still, he also is saying to us, you know, you'll never be totally happy in this life, uh, but you'll be happy in the next. And uh, it's tough. I think uh, one of the great quotes is uh, when people think about suffering and dying, uh, they're so afraid of it because they've never practiced it. We need to practice to embrace the suffering and to unite it to Christ. So um, we're afraid to die because we haven't practiced dying. Uh, that is just something that is uh, very refreshing when I hear that. Uh, and it gives me a little bit more courage to endure some suffering. You know, Alan, I, I've recently developed over the last maybe year, maybe two years, I guess two years at this point, developed a devotion to Our Lady of Sorrows. And Fulton Sheen brings up Our Lady of Sorrows here. He says, what has she done, Our Lady? to deserve the seven swords? What crimes had she committed to rob her of her son? She had done nothing, but we have. We have sinned against her divine son. We have sentenced him to the cross. And in sinning against him, we wounded her. And I, am, I, I can't help but think that our Lord, whenever he said the words, blessed are they that mourn for they will be comforted, was referring to Our Lady in one way, in one sense of the scripture he He's directly referring to Our Lady and saying, Blessed is my mother who mourns, for she will be comforted by all the Christians who make reparation, who pray the rosary, who comfort her. And I just think that that's something that our, our Lord intended there. Yes. You know, and I think of how you had mentioned the word comfort. How do we compassion our Lord? How do we comfort him? And Our Lady, uh, of course, was on this mission to assist our Lord in his journey, his mission. But I go back to when I mentioned earlier her last words that she spoke in sacred scripture, when she's, uh, again, encouraging the uh, at the wedding feast of Cana, uh, the servants, where they're filling the water jugs. Um, but she said to them earlier, do whatever he tells you. And I think this is what our Blessed Mother would have a big smile on her face if we obey uh, her words when uh, she encouraged us to do whatever he tells you. And what does our Lord say in sacred scripture? If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Mm -hmm. And so uh, we uh, please our Lord and our lady when we keep the commandments. All right, Alan, the, the fifth word on the cross, I mean, the fifth meditation on the word of the cross is eternal freedom. Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. He talks about eternal freedom. And I think this is a beautiful message of hope. Uh, what do you say, Alan? Well, he's talking again about um, you can't have your cake and eat it too. There is that uh, idea that you can't serve both God and mammon. 
And uh, these are words we don't want to hear, but uh, uh, we have to hear. But he also talks about, um, you know, again, he, he Fulton Sheen wrote about science and uh, did a great book called The Philosophy of Science. Uh, but uh, still, I think he gives an image at the back of the or the end of the chapter when he talks about, uh, you know, light. And he says here, only let us not be fooled by those who say human life has no purpose and who in the language of a scientist say that life is like a lit candle and that when the candle is done the flame goes out and that is the end of all of us but what the scientists forgot to tell us is that light is not something in a candle but something that emanates from the candle and it's associated with matter but separable and distinct from it for even when the candle is burned out the light continues to emit itself at the rate of 186,000 miles a second beyond the moon and the stars, uh, beyond the nebula of Andromeda, <laughs> and continues to do so as long as the, our universe endures. And so he's saying, you know, the light continues to shine, continues to go forth. And uh, again, I think a lot of people think, oh, that's over, the light's out. No, no, no. The light continues to go out. And so uh, a lot of times things that we do on this earth uh, have a long lasting effect. They continue. So, uh, again, keep doing those good works, even though you think uh, there's not much point to it. Uh, the light continues to shine. And of course, our Lord says, let your light shine. Amen. Amen. It's so beautiful. What the words of Fulton Sheen, what he has to say here, especially, you know, I think about he mentions the fact that humans today, the average man, does not have a goal in mind. We don't have an end in mind, and we want to be free, but, but free to what? Free to do what? Well, the answer is free to serve and know and love Christ. That's going to do it for this segment with Alan Smith. He's going to join us in the after show, so you want to stay tuned and we can talk some more, but that's going to do it for this segment. God bless you, Alan. You can check him out on Bishop Sheen Today. Go to Bishop Sheen Today to find more information. God bless you, Alan. And that's going to do it. Stay with us for the, for the game show coming up next. I didn't take my faith seriously, which, which probably means I, I never really got it to begin with. No, I didn't want to give up sin. I mean, the reason we sin is because sin is fun. But it's, it's self-love sin. But it's amazing with God's grace how easy trying to not sin it really is. If you've been away from the Catholic Church for whatever reason, we invite you to take another look. Visit catholicscomehome.org today. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. How much havoc would be caused at your church if your pastor brought a big statue of St. Peter or St. Paul and placed them in the sanctuary? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, history's on the side of the Catholic Church. Christian art in many forms dates way back to about 120 A.D. And so do those various Christian symbols which we still see today. You know, a dove, a fish, a lamb. Why are those okay? Secondly, the Bible, Exodus, Numbers, and Ezekiel... 
All these books show God telling Moses, David, or Ezekiel to carve out images of angels that were used in worship. And, and thirdly, a tough comeback, especially for my guy friends. Does Cooperstown, Canton, or Cleveland mean anything to you? Yep, the Hall of Fame locations filled with statues, jerseys, bats, and balls. Memorabilia is a $37 billion industry, but you say, don't bring a statue into my church. Well, how many of you guys have admired one of those bronze statues of an athlete? I'd rather stare at St. Peter's, Paul, and Mary in my church, and I'm not talking about the old folk band. I've been listening to Guadalupe Radio for a couple years now, and I think it was a bumper sticker I saw on somebody's car one time, and it's a radio station that I don't have to be concerned about or worried about. When the kids and I are driving, I don't have to worry about inappropriate items. It's just the opposite. It's educational. I've learned so many different topics and on different subjects that I couldn't believe being a Catholic and being baptized as a child. There's so many things I didn't know, and now in these past couple years that I've been listening in, I've learned so much. Spreading the splendor of truth, this is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Father Cedric Bazania from Holy Name Retreat Center in Houston. You're listening to AM 1430 KSHJ Houston, part of the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. Get into poetry. I'm doing my best. I'm, I'm not very good at it, but I'm trying to get into it. And Francis Thompson has this poem I want to read to you, and then I want to kind of get your thoughts on this. The, the poem goes... Why do you so clasp me and draw me to your knee? Forsooth, you do but chafe me. I pray you let me be. I will be loved but now and then, when it liketh me. And so I heard a young child, a thwart child, a young child, rebellious against love's arms, make its peevish cry. To the tender God I turn, pardon love most high. For I think those arms were even thine, and the child even I. Now, here, what he's saying, at least what I think he's saying, is whenever you think about children and you kind of have a child and you grab the child and you put him on your lap and you, and you hug him and you love on him and the child is squirming and trying to get away and is like, oh, I don't want to give hugs. I don't, I don't want to give grandpa a kiss and things like that. And I just think about myself way the same way. My my grandpa used to have, have to pay my sisters to <laughs> give him to give him a kiss um, because uh, they were like, mm, I don't want to, and uh, they just didn't do it. And so I think Francis Thompson. I think this is a universal experience because I think Francis Thompson is talking about this. He's saying you put the child on your knee, and the child is like, Oh, you're chafing me. You're just chafing my my legs, and I don't want to be here. And it's, but he says here, I will be loved. But now and then when it liketh me. So every now and then, you know, the child will run to you and give you a big hug and, and the child will be really loving. And, and you're like, oh, that's so sweet. The child is so nice and adorable. And the other time the child is just like bitter and like, oh, I don't want to be anywhere near you. They even made a commercial joking about this Sour Patch Kids commercial where it's like first they're sour. Then they're sweet um, and make a commercial, make it a joke about children, how the children are sometimes they're really bad and they don't want anything to do with you. And the next minute they love you and they're really nice. And then Francis Thompson turns this around and he says to the tender God, I turn pardon love most high 
For I think those arms were even thine, and that child even I. Because he's saying, that's us. That's you and I. When, when our Lord tries to grab us and love us, and sometimes it's uncomfortable, sometimes it causes suffering, sometimes it's not what we want. We want to be loved by God on our terms, the way we want to be loved, and not the way that God wants to love us. And that's not the right way. We have to learn to, to accept the love of God in the way that he gives it to us, in the same way that a parent loves his child. And we, the child should trust that the, child, that the parent isn't trying to hurt them. The parent is just trying to love them in the same way we treat our Lord, we treat our God. Uh, what do you think about that, Tito? Uh, I think that's uh, incre- incredibly insightful, especially after you and I spoke with uh, Father Gregory Pine about how sometimes in, in these moments when, when God is bringing us closer to him and, and we're struggling away, it, it's, it's God wanting to be intimate with us. And, and time, at other times when we're suffering, it's not that we're trying to grow in virtue and, re, and reduce our virtues. It's that God wants us to unite our suffering with him to, get in, to grow in closer intimacy with him. And in this Francis Thompson poem, Ex, uh, exhibits that in in kind of a, a little bit reverse way because he's he's pulling us towards him. How many times has Jesus has God pulled us toward him and we struggled against that because we we had something else in mind that we wanted to do our, our own will and when we unite ourselves with him in his will, it's much easier for us to respond because we can see him acting in our lives like that and. I think Francis Thompson is. Was he Catholic or uh, was he an American Protestant? What What was he exactly? Man, I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. But uh, yeah, that that was an, a very insightful poem. Uh, I too am trying to learn more about poetry, trying to en- engage in poetry. I've been going down the avenue of uh, reading some of G.K. Chesterton's work, uh, and with some fellow Catholics as well in a men's group. And it is a wonderful experience. We should all strive to uh, grow in virtue. And one of the many ways that we can do that is reciting poetry, standing up in a group and just reciting the poetry and then discussing what the poetry is about or going into a, a chat room and, and discussing with others. But I, I think it's better to do it in person like most things. And you, you will learn so much from trying to decipher some of the words, trying to figure out what the structure of the sentence is trying to convey, and and you you will uh, surprise yourself as to what you can learn about so many things in life, and 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 that is something that we've lo- we've lost a lot in this country: logic, rhetoric, poetry, uh, studying uh, the classics. There is so much. There is such a treasure out there that we can learn from. Um, there's a reason why we're such an advanced society today, because we're standing on the so- sh- shoulders of giants. And so, when we're reciting poetry, we're, we are not only enriching ourselves; we enrich those around us, because it offers us uh, a new angle on knowledge that we can share with others. And and that's what we need to do to elevate people around us. And, and hopefully uh, this will start a discussion amongst some of our listeners, and maybe they want to start reading some poetry and, and learning to grow in virtue and in culture. Yeah, you know, I was thinking about the verse in Holy Scripture, Suffer not the little children to come unto me. And it's interesting because 
we, our Lord desired loved children, but there's another aspect to this. When our Lord says children, he doesn't quite mean by age necessarily. He does, but he also means more than that. And so he says, like, for instance, he says, become like little children, right? And he also will say things like, it'll be better for you to have a millstone tied around thy neck and cast into sea than to let one of the little ones be scandalized. And you're thinking, okay, well, what does our Lord mean by all this? What is this, all this talk of children? And in one sense, and in a true sense, he means um, let the children be love God, let them adore our Lord, and don't scandalize children, don't, don't cause them to sin, and all these other things. But at the same time, what is he also talking about? He's also talking about our love and devotion and our faith. Many of the commentators, when he's referring to, say is, uh, that whenever Lord says, the little ones, talking about the millstones and the scandalization, he's talking about the faithful. He's talking about you and I, that because we should be like little children, he's saying, suffer not the people of little faith, suffer not the people of new faith, suffer not the people who are of simple faith to come unto him. Do not scandalize them. And I think that's an important thing to note, that you and I should be like these children, and should be cling to our Lord, should desire to be placed on his lap, like like saying, what is it, saying, nations of Antioch? Was that the one? I forget. Uh, one of the church fathers, one of the apostolic fathers, it is alleged that he was the one who oh, yes, our Lord yes. sat on his lap. It is St. Ignatius. Yes, and that's a beautiful, a beautiful thing. You think about that, you think about this great saint, you should read his writings, because this man knew our Lord most intimately, and our Lord told everybody around him, suffer not the little ones, pointing at St. Ignatius himself, and says, suffer not the little ones to come unto me. What a beautiful opportunity to, that we get to know these people. We can go read their writings and love what they love and see what they meant. How did they act? What was their life like? It also makes me think of St. Dominic, I love St. Dominic. I think it's hilarious if you know who Fra Angelico is. He's the patron saint of artists because he was a Dominican friar who would who painted many, many beautiful paintings. You should look up his, his paintings. But he would paint uh, scenes of the passion of our Lord. And in those passion uh, images, he would always paint St. Dominic somewhere in the background. And sometimes he would paint him right there in the foreground. And specifically, there's a painting I'm thinking of 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 Our Lady, St. John the Evangelist, at the foot of the cross, standing there, and then St. Dominic clinging to the cross and then looking up at our Lord. And I think it's, uh, one sense, kind of funny that he, he just inserts St. Dominic everywhere, and I think it's awesome. Yes. Um, but secondarily, I think it's so beautiful to think that there is a man on the cross and that we should come to it. We should come to it and kneel down before it. And Fulton Sheen actually included this poem in his uh, writing on his on the seventh word on the cross, into thy hands when I commend thy spirit. He says, Whenever there is silence around me, by day or by night, I am startled by a cry. It came down from the cross. The first time I heard it, I went out and searched 
and found a man in the throes of crucifixion. And I said, I will take you down. And I tried to take the nails out of his feet, but he said, let them be, for I cannot be taken down. And so every man, every woman, and every child come together to take me down. And I said, but I cannot bear your cry. What can I do? And he said, go about the world. Tell everyone that you meet, there is a man on the cross. And I think that's, that's so beautiful. I've, that is our mission, right? That is our mission to, to tell everyone we meet, everyone we encounter, there is a man on the cross. His name is Jesus Christ. He suffered and died for you and I. Amen. And now what are we doing? Are we, are we preaching the gospel? Are we trying to save souls? I think a lot of us are not. I think a lot of us are just going about our day very casually, easy peasy. Uh, we, life is easy. Yet, God has called us to, to suffer. He's called us to look at the cross, to meditate on the cross. And when, when misfortune befalls us, we freak out. We're like, oh, no, this is the worst thing ever. And I had mentioned the other day, talking about this, uh, this hilarious image yeah. of, uh, of, of our Lord, uh, Jim Caviezel dressed as our Lord. And Mel Gibson giving him direction at the uh, Passion of the Christ movie. And the, pa Mel Gibson is dressed in a, in, a, in a collared shirt and shorts, sitting in his director's chair with a, with a baseball cap on. And meanwhile, you have Jim Caviezel in, uh, just in a, in a loincloth, covered in scars and wounds, bleeding to death. And he's sitting next to our Lord, or he's sitting next to Mel Gibson. And Mel Gibson turns to Jim Caviezel, who's dressed as our Lord. And tells him uh, is giving him direction for the for the movie, and there someone turned it into a meme, and they put me trying to explain to to God what my problems, uh, <laughs> and I think it's hilarious, right? It's it's really yeah. funny because you're like this is exactly accurate. It's like yeah, God, you don't understand. My life is so hard, and God's sitting there listening to you. Like, he doesn't he doesn't even like he doesn't chastise you. Be like look hey, look at me. He's like yes, I I agree. Your life is hard. Let me help you. And meanwhile, he's sitting there bloodied and beaten. And we're like, oh, God, my life is so hard. Help me. Um, I think it's, it's really amusing, but it's very accurate. Yeah, that, that, that meme of, uh, yeah, you're right, Mel Gibson directing. And he says, well, what about my difficulties? I didn't get sugar in my coffee this morning. Oh. And, and there's Jesus over there struggling with the, being whipped at the, at scourged at the pillar. It, it, it is uh, profound, some of the many things that uh, we can in, uh, imbibe from uh, a mem such as that. And, and I like the one that you mentioned about Fra Angelico always writing St. Dominic and in, in writing, painting St. Dominic in many of his paintings. It reminds me of when uh, Hollywood stars bring their friends and they're always there in the background, you know, acting. And there's Fra Angelico uh, painting uh St. Dominic and, and many of the, the passion and, and other scenes of, of Jesus in his life. That is, uh, that's really nice. There you go. There you go. Praise be to God. Uh, all right. Well, that's going to do it for this segment. Uh, make sure you hop on to our social media streams and let me know what you thought about what we talked about today. But we're going to jump into our game show, Fear and Trembling. Fear and Trembling is our game show. You could be a contestant. Now, 877-757-9424. That number to call, 877-757-9424. You could be the contestant. We're giving out prizes. 
877-757-9424. Call now and you can be the contestant. We take the first caller on the line, 877-757-9424. Call now. Gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. We're currently cruising at 39,000 feet. We'll turn that seatbelt sign off for you and let you move about the cabin. Looks like we'll have you at the gate and plenty of time for you to get to confession before mass this evening. Wouldn't it be great if everyone regularly went to confession? Why not start today? A friendly suggestion from Guadalupe Radio Network. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Have you ever heard someone say, Religion can never depend on minute disputes about doctrine. G.K. Chesterton says that's like saying that life can never depend on minute disputes about medicine. Will the man who says we don't want theologians splitting hairs also say, We don't want surgeons splitting filaments more delicate than hairs. Many a man would be dead today if his doctors had not debated fine shades about doctoring. It's also a fact that Western civilization would be dead today if its doctors of divinity had not debated fine shades about doctrine. We depend on doctors of medicine. We can also depend on the doctors of the church. Want more than a minute? Visit our website, chesterton.org. Hey, Donnie, who were the first two people God created? Adam and Eve. There you go. And what did we inherit from them? Original sin. As parents, we're the primary educators of our Catholic faith to our children. And if you don't know your Catholic faith as well as you should, that's okay. Just tune in daily to the Guadalupe Radio Network by logging online to grnonline.com. The Guadalupe Radio Network. Listen, learn, love, and pass it on. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. <laughs> the Catholic Trivia Game Show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. That's the number to call to be on our game show, Fear and Trembling, where we give out prizes and you could be the winner. Well, we had a number of people call in, praise be to God. If you did not get on the call today, if you are not able to join us in the game show, well, make sure you write that number down. Let me give it to you one more time so you can write it down, 877-757-9424. We still have... Two more days of the game show this week to win this week's prize. So make sure you call in tomorrow. And here is a pro tip. A pro tip level. You can hop on early. So if you keep that number on speed dial, we open the lines at 7 a.m. Central Time. And you can hop on early and you can wait on hold until we come to the phone because we always take the first caller. So if you hop on early, then you are guaranteed to be the caller. So that's a pro tip for you. That number, 877-757-9424. You can write that down or go to our website, grnonline.com forward slash CDT, grnonline.com forward slash CDT. All the rules and the phone number is listed for the game show there on our website, 
grnonline.com forward slash cdt. But let me tell you the rules. So if you're just now joining us for the first time, the rules are very, very simple. I have three Catholic trivia questions available right in front of me. And these Catholic trivia questions, I'm not going to ask you. I'm going to ask Tito the questions. And it's going to be Tito's job to tell me what the answer is. Now, it's your job to tell me who is, whether or not he's telling the truth or whether he's lying to you. Is he trying to deceive you? Is it a truthhood, a falsehood? Is he tricking you? That's your job to figure out. And you have 15 seconds to figure it out, which means there's a 50-50 chance. And every right answer goes into the coffee cup of Divine Providence to win this week's prize. Tito, what could they win? They could win. The Fear and Trembling Prize for this week is a large-sized rosary shimmering with beautiful Austrian crystals, glass work beads, and oxidized silver from Sanctum forum.com that's sanctumforum.com is a family-owned small business that makes rosaries and other religious jewelry thank you thank you very much for that rosary very beautiful uh, sanctumforum.com thank you for being our sponsor uh, joining us right now is ashley good morning to you ashley good morning ashley where are you calling from San Antonio. San Antonio's back on the board. Praise be to God. We had a uh, streak of Houston callers, and San Antonio was like, I, we got to get back in there. Yeah. There's too many Houston <laughs> callers. Got to have San Antonio supremacy. Uh, but thank you very much, Ashley, for calling in. Where are you headed this morning? I am headed home from taking the kids to school. Amen. Praise Yay. be to God. Get, uh, get to get home and uh, get the, uh, the ginormous to-do list. You have a scroll form, so when you open it up, it just rolls down and hits the floor and keeps going. Every morning. <laughs> Every morning. Praise be to God. Praise be to God. Yeah, I know. My so I, mothers who stay home are the best. My mom was a uh, was a stay at home mother, and I don't know how on earth houses function without moms. Like I just I don't. I've you know, been impossible. really blessed to be able to stay home this year, and um, I'm going a little bit crazy because I don't know how moms do it. <laughs> your, your children are going to be are going to reap the benefits of what you've done. And they will have a distinct advantage amongst their peers. Very true. Yes. Very true. How is your Lent going, Ashley? I'm sorry? How is your Lent going? Um, it's going good. This is I, um, my first time ever doing Lent. I um, actually get baptized um, night before Easter Vigil. Wow! Um, so <laughs> Praise be to God. Ashley, welcome home. Praise be to God. We're happy to hear it. Your first ever Lent. What's that like? Um, actually, I thought it was, it's, it's, don't get me wrong. It's not the easiest thing. Um, but I have, it's, it's been amazing. Like I cannot express like how amazing, um, all of this is and just learning more and more and just the love and it's, it's awesome. Praise be to God. That's great. I'd love to hear it. You know, I, I was thinking about my, my buddy. Uh, he had his first Lent recently, and he he went full uh, full boss hog mode. He went and uh, he was like, I want to do the ancient fast. So he fasted, uh, only had one meal a day, gave up meat, dairy, eggs. And I was like, dude, I've never done that before. And I've been Catholic my entire life. So uh, kudos to you, man. Kudos to you. The, the Friday, the, you know, on Fridays, I thought that was going to be the hardest. Um, I don't, I've never had eaten fish or anything, um, any kind of sweets, anything. And uh, our first Friday, uh, my husband bought 
snow crab, I believe it was called. Uh-huh. I had it like back to back for like three days because it was so good. <laughs> well, thank you very much. Praise be to God. I would love to hear it. And, you know, let's, uh, are you familiar with how the game works? Um, yes, kind of. Good. Well, so just for anybody who is unaware, the game is very, very simple. Well, what we do is we don't ask you the questions. We're going to ask Tito the questions, and you're going to have 15 seconds to figure out whether or not Tito is giving you a right answer or a wrong answer. Every right answer goes into the coffee cup of divine providence to win the prize. So it's very simple. You will be able to figure it out. I know it. It will be very easy. All right. Are you ready? All right. All right, let's jump into it. The first question goes to you, Tito. Got it. The question is, what does the rule of faith mean? The rule of faith. That's a tough one. That is, uh, I I, I have to be honest, I don't don't know. It's doing, uh, it's, my best guess is, it's doing God's will. That's, that's what I believe it is. What does the rule of faith mean? That I have to I have to come clean and say I really don't know. This is my you best guess. Doing God's will is what I could think of. Okay, you say doing God's will is the best you could think of yeah. for what it means of the the rule of faith. You're saying yeah. okay. Well, all right. Well, Ashley, uh, fifteen seconds on the clock. The question is, what does the rule of faith mean? I mean, you should know this, being uh, just gone through RCIA. Uh, what is, is he telling the truth? Is he being, is he wrong? Uh, what say you, Ashley, is Tito right? Is the answer doing God's will? I'm going to say Tito is right. You're saying he's right. Are you sure you want to go with that? Are you sure? I'm not. I don't know. Are you, are you 100% sure? <laughs> I'm telling you my, my question, though. <laughs> You're going to say no? Uh, no, I'm going to, I'm going to say yes. He's going to, she's going to say she's yes. She's going to say Yes. Oh, Ashley, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. Don't worry. You got the first one wrong. You're going to get the next two right. I can feel it. Uh, The correct answer is the rule of faith means a norm or a standard of religious belief. Uh, What's determined that we need to believe. So the rule of faith is the norm or standard of religious belief. Uh, But it is tricky. That was a tricky answer. Doing God's will does sound right to me. Uh, but you did good, Ashley. Don't worry. You're going to get the qu- next question right. I'm sure of it. <laughs> Are you ready for the number two? I am. Well, let's jump into it. Tito, the question is, when will the resurrection of the body take place? When the resurrection of the body will take place uh, at the end of the world. At the end of the world, you're saying? Yes, at okay. the end of the world. All right. Well, the question on the board, Ashley, is when will the resurrection of the body take place? Now, I'm sure that you've said the Nicene and the Apostles' Creed many, many times at this point. So what say you, Ashley? Is it at the end of the world? Yes. She says yes. Way to go, Ashley! Wow. That is, in fact, true. At the second coming of Christ, there'll be the end of the world, and our bodies will be reunited with our souls. So praise be to God. You nailed it, Ashley. You're doing great. Are you ready for question numero trace? Yes. All right. Well, let's jump into it. This third question. I'm looking at this question here. And I have to say, Ashley, this might be the hardest question we've ever done in the history of Catholic Drive Time. 
I'm just saying. I'm oh just boy. saying. I, I rarely say this about questions that we do, uh, but here, I'm looking at the question here, and I'm a I, I think only a professional theologian could be able to, is going to be able to answer this question, which means, actually that you are a shoo-in for it, because I already know that you are a professional theologian. So the question on the board, Tito. Uh-huh. A female member, now listen carefully, a female member of a religious order, a female member of a religious order uh-huh. with solemn vows is called what? Oh, man. She, she's called a nun. A nun. Oh, yes. Like, she's called like, a nun. There are no no people that uh, fall in this category? Uh, no, just uh, nuns. None. N-O-N-E. And There's nobody. You, oh, There's nobody. Oh, oh. No, There's a nobody. sister, hermana, you know, like N-U-N. Oh. None. Oh, oh not. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I see. Okay. I was, I was confused there for a second. I know. Uh, all right, Ashley. The question on the board. A female member of a religious order with solemn vows is called What? Tito seems to think that it's a nun in UN. I thought he meant there's nobody who qualifies in that definition, but no, in UN. Ashley, what say you? Is he right? Is he wrong? What say you? He's right. He's right, she says. There you go, Ashley. Praise be to God. You nailed it. It was easy peasy. I knew it. I knew I knew Ashley was a professional theologian. <laughs> I wasn't sweating for anything. <laughs> <laughs> See, she she was like, I knew I just got the qu- first question wrong just to uh just to hustle us. That was uh, that was what it was. Yeah, that was it. That yeah, was it. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Praise be to God, Ashley. Well, thank you very much, Ashley. You rocked it. You got two out of three. That's a pretty darn good record if I do say so myself. Uh, but make sure you stay on the line. We're going to get your number, so that way we can contact you should your name be drawn out. But God bless you, Ashley. Thank you. Y'all, y'all have a great day. Absolutely. Stay on hold. And congratulations on coming home to the Catholic Church. We'll be definitely be praying for you uh, this Easter. Absolutely. We're praying for everyone who converts and comes into home to the church this Easter, but especially Ashley from San Antonio. But that's going to do it for this show for today. Praise be to God. If you can join us in the after show, you can hop onto YouTube, Facebook, Rumble, Odyssey, and you can interact with us directly there. So hop on to our social media feeds. If not, we'll talk to you tomorrow, 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern, across the Guadalupe Radio Network. God bless you. God love you. And we'll see you either on the after show or tomorrow morning. God bless you. for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. The Guadalupe Radio Network now brings you the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass from the chapel at Our Lady of Corpus Christi in Corpus Christi, Texas. Welcome to the Holy Mass at Our Lady of Corpus Christi. We offer this Holy Sacrifice of the Mass for all of our online viewers and all those listening in the Guadalupe Radio Network. We celebrate Wednesday of Passion Tide, the fifth week of Lent. 
Stapat mater dolorosa, juxta crucem lacrimosa, dum pendebat filius, cuius animam gementem, contristatum et olentem, per transivit gladius, O quam tristis et afflicta, fuit ila et menta. Mater unigeniti. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Let us acknowledge our sins and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done, in what I have failed to do, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore, I ask Blessed Mary of a Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Let us pray. Enlighten, O God of compassion, the hearts of your children sanctified by penance, and in your kindness grant those who stir to a sense of devotion a gracious hearing when they cry out to you. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. Reading from the book of the prophet Daniel. King Nebuchadnezzar said, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you will not serve my God or worship the golden statue that I set up? Be ready now to fall down and worship the statue I had made. Whenever you hear the sound of the trumpet, flute, lyre, harp, psaltery, bagpipe, and all other musical instruments, otherwise you shall be instantly cast into the white-hot furnace. And who is the God who can deliver you out of my hands? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered King Nebuchadnezzar, There is no need for us to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If our God, whom we serve, can save us from the white-hot furnace and from your hands, O King, may he save us. But even if he will not now, O King, know that we will not serve the your God or worship the golden statue that you set up. King Nebuchadnezzar's face became livid with utter rage against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He ordered the furnace to be heated seven times more than usual and had some of the strongest men in his army find Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and cast them into the white-hot furnace. Nebuchadnezzar rose in haste and asked his nobles, Did we not cast three men bound into the fire? Assuredly, O king, they answered. But, he replied, I see four men unfettered and unhurt 
walking in the fire, and the fourth looks like a son of God. Nebuchadnezzar exclaimed, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who sent his angel to deliver the servants who trusted in him. They disobeyed the royal command and yielded their bodies rather than serve or worship any god except their own god. The word of the Lord. Glory and praise forever. Blessed are you, O Lord, the God of our fathers, praiseworthy and exalted above all forever. And blessed is your holy and glorious name, praiseworthy and exalted above all for all ages. Glory and praise forever. Blessed are you in the temple of your holy glory, praiseworthy and exalted above all forever. Glory and praise forever. Blessed are you on the throne of your kingdom, praiseworthy and exalted above all forever. And praise forever. Blessed are you who look into the depths from your throne upon the cherubim, praiseworthy and exalted above all forever. And praise forever. Blessed are you in the firmament of heaven, praiseworthy and glorious forever. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ, King of endless glory. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ, King of endless glory. Blessed are they who have kept the word with a generous heart, and yield the harvest through perseverance. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ, King of endless glory. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him, If you remain in my word, you will truly be my disciples. And if you will know the truth, the truth will set you free. They answered him, We are descendants of Abraham, and have never been enslaved to anyone. How can you say you will become free? Jesus answered them, Amen, amen, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is a slave of sin. A slave does not remain in a household forever, but a son always remains. So if the son frees you, then you will be truly free. I know that you are descendants of Abraham, but you are trying to kill me because my word has no room among you. I tell you what I have seen in the Father's presence. Then do what you have heard from the Father. They answered and said to him, Our father is Abraham. Jesus said to them, If you were Abraham's children, you would be doing the works of Abraham. But now you are trying to kill me. A man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. Abraham did not do this. You are doing the works of your father. So they said to him, We were not born of fornication. We have one Father, God. Jesus said to them, If God were your Father, you would love me. For I came from God and am here. I did not come on my own, but he sent me. The Gospel of the Lord. We are in the final sprint. In the old calendar, they split apart 
Passion Sunday and Palm Sunday, and this is known as the week before the holiest week of the year as Passion Tide. It is usually around this time where churches would cover their statues with purple, a kind of sign that we should purple our senses with the blood of the Lamb and begin that hyper-focused sprint towards the finish line of uh, the Paschal Triduum. And the readings are longer in this time to help us. The Word is what prepares us for the coming of Jesus. Now, the first reading talks about these three youth. The prophet Daniel talks about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the furnace, you know, talking about how that they, they would not worship the, the gods. This is a sign of a Lenten journey because not only a Lenten journey, but a Christian journey through this world. As St. Francis de Sales, as freshwater fish traveling through salt water, we live in the world, but we are not of the world. This is also true of a worldly understanding of Lent. You can have a worldly or enslavement tendency in Lent to focus on you, your practices, what you or do, do or do not do. And this is a wrong. You should be focusing on Jesus. Everything you do in Lent is meant to prepare you for Christ. Do you do your Lenten observances perfectly? You may or may not do this, but this is not the main point of Lent. The main point is to prepare. A good trainer, the Holy Spirit, does not focus on what you have failed to do, but mostly focuses on what you are trying to do to prepare you for Lent and encourage the right you have done. For this reason, it is good to shed a worldly understanding, especially of the last week before Holy Week. And don't focus on your failures at all. Focus instead on the victory of Jesus. Focus on what Jesus is doing in you in Lent. And to hyper-activate the grace of this moment, this week, this Passion Tide, to spend some extra time in his sacred passion. The sacred passion has a way of hyper-focusing you on Christ. Now, another analogy of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, or analogy, the anagogical sense of Scripture, or transforming union. That is to say, deep inside your heart, as St. Paul said, you follow the law of God. In your inmost heart, you want God. But there is a war in your members. There's even a fire that is working against the animal passions that are working against your inmost heart's longing for transformative union with God. Well, each one of us, therefore, has this tendency of slavery, a pharisaical tendency that we need to shed on our outer members or the, the war in our members and to stay faithful to Jesus who is the truth, asking our Savior to confront the parts of us that don't want to be subject, the idolatrous parts of us that don't want to be subject to the law. If we do this with humility, not with the arrogance of the flesh or the arrogance of the Pharisees, we will allow Jesus to confront us, to tell us what we're doing wrong, to have the humility say, yes, Jesus, speak to us the ways in which we are not yet like you, and grant us the grace 
of conversion. If we do this, we will have a very fruitful rest of the next, uh, what is it, only eight or nine days left of this holy season of preparation. May the prayers of our Immaculate Virgin Mary, our Mother, help us to do this with joy. Let us bring our petitions to the Lord. We pray for the whole church, that transformed by Lenten penance and holy fasting, prayer, and almsgiving, may be one with Jesus and preparing for the great Paschal Feast. For this we pray to the Lord. We pray for our Holy Father, all bishops and priests, that they may serve joyfully as Jesus serves. We pray to the Lord. We pray for our government leaders, for an end to abortion, same-sex unions, gender confusion, and human trafficking. We pray to the Lord. We pray for the sick, the suffering, the poor. We pray to the Lord. For all of our beloved dead, we pray to the Lord. Eternal and blessed Father, we ask you to hear us for we make these and all our petitions in the holy name of Jesus Christ and through the powerful intercession of our mother Mary as we pray. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. My love is love unknown. My Savior's love for me, love to the loveless shown that they might lovely be. O oh, who am I that for my sake my Lord should take frail flesh and die? He came from his blessed throne salvation to bestow, but all made strange and none the longed for Christ would know. But, O oh, my friend, my friend indeed, who at my need his life did spend. Pray, brethren, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. Amen. Receive back, O Lord, these sacrificial offerings, which you have given to be offered to the honor of your name, and grant that they may become remedies for our healing through Christ our Lord. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is truly right and just, our duty and our salvation, always and everywhere to give you thanks, Lord, Holy Father, Almighty and Eternal God, for through the saving passion of your Son, the whole world has received a heart to confess the infinite power of your majesty, since by the wondrous power of the cross, your judgment on the world is now revealed, and the authority of Christ crucified. And so, Lord, with all the angels and saints, we too give you thanks, as in exaltation we acclaim. Sanctus 
Sanctus, Sanctus Dominus Deus Sabaoth, Plenis Uncelia Terra, Oria Tuha, O Sanna in excelsis, Benedictus, qui venit in nomine Domini, O Sahana in excelsis. You are indeed holy, O Lord, and all you have created rightly gives you praise. For through your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, by the power and working of the Holy Spirit, you give life to all things and make them holy, and you never cease to gather a people to yourself, so that from the rising of the sun to its setting, a pure sacrifice may be offered to your name. Therefore, O Lord, we humbly implore you, by the same Spirit, graciously make holy these gifts we have brought to you for consecration, that they may become the body and blood of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, at whose command we celebrate these mysteries. For on the night he was betrayed, he himself took bread, and giving you thanks, he said the blessing, broke the bread, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and eat of it, for this is my body, which will be given up for you. In a similar way, when supper was ended, he took the chalice, and giving you thanks, he said the blessing, and gave the chalice to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and drink from it, for this is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me. A mystery of faith, we proclaim your death, O Lord, and profess your resurrection until you come again. Therefore, O Lord, as we celebrate the memorial of the saving passion of your Son, his wondrous resurrection and ascension into heaven, and as we look forward to his second coming, we offer you in thanksgiving this holy and living sacrifice. Look, we pray, upon the oblation of your church, and recognizing the sacrificial victim by whose death you will to reconcile us to yourself, grant that we who are nourished by the body and blood of your Son and filled with his Holy Spirit may become one body, one spirit in Christ. May he make of us an eternal offering to you so that we may obtain an inheritance with your elect especially with the most blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, with blessed Joseph, her spouse, with your blessed apostles and glorious martyrs, and with all the saints on whose constant intercession in your presence we rely for unfailing help. May this sacrifice of our reconciliation, we pray, O Lord, advance the peace and salvation of all the world. Be pleased to confirm in faith and charity your pilgrim church on earth with your servant Francis, our Pope, Michael, our Bishop, the Order of Bishops, all the clergy, and the entire people you have gained for your own. Listen graciously to the prayers of this family, 
whom you have summoned before you in your compassion, O merciful Father. Gather to yourself all your children scattered throughout the world. Remember your servants whom you have called from this world to yourself. Grant that they who are united with your Son in a death like his may also be one with him in his resurrection when from the earth he will raise up in the flesh those who have died and transform our lowly body after the pattern of his own glorious body. To our departed brothers and sisters too, and to all who are pleasing to you at their passing from this life, give kind admittance to your kingdom. There we hope to enjoy forever the fullness of your glory, when you will wipe away every tear from our eyes. Foreseeing you, our God as you are, we shall be like you for all the ages, and praise you without end. Through Christ our Lord, through whom you bestow on the world all that is good. Through him and with him and in him, O God, Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours forever and ever. Amen. Preceptis salutaribus moniti et divini institutioni formati. Audehimus dicere, Pater Noster, qui es in celis, sanctificetur nomen tuum, adveniat regnum tuum, fiat voluntas tua, sicut in celo et in terra, panem nostrum quotidianum da nobis hodie, et emitem nobis debita nostra, sicut et nos dimitimus debitoribus nostris, et ne nos inducas in tentationem, sed libera nos amahalo. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil. Graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Look not on our sins, but on the faith of your church, and graciously grant her peace and unity, in accordance with your will, who live and reign forever and ever. The peace of the Lord be with you always. Agnus Dei, qui tolis peccatum undi, miserere nobis. Agnus Dei, qui tolis peccatum undi, miserere nobis. Agnus Dei, we tolis peccatum undi, donna nobis pacem. Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those who are called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, I am not worthy you should enter under my roof but only say the word, and my soul shall be healed. For those who are unable to receive our Lord sacramentally in Holy Communion at this time, 
We invite you to pray the act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already there, and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. Communion Antiphon. God has brought us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. Jesus, my God, my God, my all, how can I love thee as I ought? And how revere this wondrous gift, so far surpassing hope or thought? Sweet sacrament, we thee adore. O make us love thee more and more. O make us love thee more and more. Had I but Mary sickness heart, with which to love the dearest King. Oh, with what bursts of fervent praise Thy goodness, Jesus, would I sing. Sweet sacrament, we Thee adore, O oh, make us love Thee more and more. O oh, make us love Thee more and more. Sweet sacrament, we Thee adore. O oh, make us love Thee more and more, O make us love thee more and more. Let us pray. May the mysteries we have received, O Lord, bring us heavenly medicine that they may purge all evil from our heart and strengthen us with eternal protection. Through Christ our Lord. The Lord be with you. Bow down for the blessing. Attend, Almighty God, to the prayers of your people, and as you endow them with confident hope in your compassion, let them feel forever the effects of your mercy through Christ our Lord. May Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go in the peace of Christ.
prayer to St. Michael. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. Prayer of Deliverance Almighty God and Father, we beg thee through the intercession and help of the archangels St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. Grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary, we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy thy peace always. In the name of Christ our Lord, amen. Celebrating 2,000 years of truth, this is the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. Hi, I'm Nicholas Prodel from the Catholic University of America. 